Hello again, gentlemen. Welcome to the first day of Thatch's Thatch Can Style Wrestling. There's a lot of glare coming off that dome of yours. Squirrel nut! What does WrestleMania mean to Brock Lesnar? It's a day that I get to show up, kick somebody's ass, and get paid to do so. Crying out loud, he can't use a thing with you swearing like that. I don't give a damn. I came up here for a purpose to prove some son of a bitch and thing. And I'll tell you what I came to prove, that Lawler didn't have the guts. Hey there, folks. Welcome to We Don't Know Wrestling. My name is Sam Dimaccio, and I will be your host for this evening. And I'm really excited for what this episode is going to be. It's going to be a solo episode, and for the foreseeable future, that's probably what this show is going to be. Typically, in the past, this has been kind of a two- or three-panel situation, as it may be where it's sort of a back and forth about kind of current happenings, things that really just generally interest me uh, selfishly. And I haven't done a real episode of this in a while. I've done a lot of Desert Island comps, which I've really enjoyed. And I will continue doing those. I still am aiming for five to six more this year. I think they're going really well, and I've got a couple guests lined up that I think are going to be really tremendous. But I want to get in the groove of really being consistent, doing something over and over again, and I think we don't wrestling, there's opportunities for me to do things a little bit differently, and that was exciting. So, some changes to the format. First of all, this podcast is also going to go up on YouTube, as I try a few things that I haven't done in the past, um, do a little bit of a video component, don't worry, audio is going to be perfectly fine, there's going to be nothing you're really missing out of other than some visual cues that I'm just trying out for my own input there. So just kind of say, hey, if you're listening to this and you'd rather watch on YouTube, feel free. Otherwise, don't worry. This is going to work out perfectly fine. The other part here is I really like talking through things. I don't think I can really do my best thought process when just writing things out. I don't think I really go through the, the mental process as it were i think that doing the podcast has always been beneficial for me so even at the end of the day this is not listened to at all that this doesn't really work for most people that for me and my kind of way i approach wrestling this is going to work this is going to be helpful so i'm excited for that nonetheless and yeah this is first episode of this so this is gonna be kind of a test I'm really getting to the workflow of, hey, how do I do a video podcast where I'm not doing a webcam situation and I'm not just doing a flat title card and that's it. So I don't know what this is going to look like and I don't know what this is going to sound like and I don't know if this is going to be interesting. So that's not a great sales pitch, but I'm excited. So I'm hopeful that you stay with me as we go here. So with that... Let's get started with what am I watching? Over the 
past few days specifically, I've really started watching some of that recent Zona 23 stuff that has been posted on IWTV, um, the Festival Extremo. It's been pretty great. I think it happens on April 10th, April 11th of this year, and I don't feel like we talk about Zona 23 all that much anymore. Maybe I'm just in the wrong circles. Maybe I'm just on the right DM groups, but in the slacks I'm in, it's just not popping up. But this promotion is still rad as hell. The junkyard still works. The magic is still there. And I think night one is really like a banger of a show. Like from top to bottom. As a show, it might be Hooter of the Year. But it has some rad matches. It has Deimos versus uh, Astrolux, which I think is a Hooter of the Year contender right off the bat. Oh, I didn't mention it. I want to bring back formerly known as Ori's Barry Tanners this year. I'm just throwing it out there. Like, I'm hoping I can do that. I'm really jazzed about where we don't know wrestling podcast network is going. I think there's going to be some fun stuff that's popping up here in the, in the future. But back to it. Demos, Estrux, that match rocks. It is bloody. It is fairly violent, but not, not too terribly so. Uh, and Astrolux kind of just being a sort of Japanese junior wrestler. I think Mission Group Pro for some reason. Not sure why. Like, that's the vibe I catch off him. Kind of like like a Flamita or a Bandito. That's just me. That's just me. Um, maybe that's unfair because Titan and I still consider full-on Luchador and doesn't feel like he borrows nearly as much from that Dragon Gate to New Japan Jr. sort of pipeline in the same way. But, as it were, Match Rocks, it owns. Go watch it. Um, also, Flystar versus Crazy King. It's a fun match, but really, there's a DDT that Crazy King does to the dirt that looks just sick. And there's also an aerosol can that gets sprayed with fire. And I'm like, oh, that brings me back to the days in high school when we used to spray each other's sleeping bags with Axe Body Spray and light them on fire. The good old days, as it were. Um, there's also a Mato Extremo versus Galago match. Um, starts out with a lot of mat work. I was really surprised. It rocked. I wish the match had progressed in that way. It did not. <laughs> uh, it definitely kind of went downwards towards the more traditional hardcore match that... Most folks that were there in attendance were probably expecting. Not a huge deal. They both were definitely willing to get each other's head smashed in, which is great, which is great. But it does may lack the same charm that a Matwork, Lucha Matwork match at a hardcore show has. But yeah, another one. Absolutely go out of your way to watch. I think it was maybe a hair lower than the Day Moves match, but still kicks butt, kicks butt. Um, the other show I want to kind of highlight here is uh, the, the Lehigh Valley show with the Avery Good retirement, the Dasher Hatfield retirement from the great sport of professional wrestling. And part of that is because it is also a culmination of things, it feels like, a, a retirement ceremony for Chikara in some ways, which was weird. I wasn't quite expecting that. Maybe I should have. No, no, I definitely, definitely should have. It was putting me in my feels in a way that I really wasn't expecting going into the show. 
And it just reminded me that, like, oh, Mike Quackenbush, huge, giant piece of filth, piece of shit. And it sucks that I can't appreciate all the years where that promotion meant a lot to me. Where these colorful cast of characters brought me so much joy that I I, I think it's overstated kind of the, the storylines that they did. Like, yeah, Quack had this storyline Bible that he kept with him and slept with at night. But that's not really here nor there. I don't give a shit about that at the end of the day is that when it came down to it, when the big versus, when the good versus evil clashed in meaningful matches, it it felt like something. It felt like you were watching a battle of good versus evil at whatever scale I was operating at. Whether there was a new market in Montana where there's in front of 10 people max, or whether it's in Philadelphia in front of 500 it felt like there was always stakes to a certain degree, even if it was, yeah, comic booky, even if it was cartoonish. And I'm going to miss that. And I, I do miss that. It's definitely something that's lacking from the scene. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it shouldn't come back because the only thing that propped that up was the terrible system of abuse that bad people were able to prop that up. Um, even if you take it from the most heinous of the accusations, I mean, moved just by the fact that Quackenbush had such a tight hold on these characters in that Avery Good really got to show how good he is in these past few years, that he was a tremendous professional wrestler, a very good pro wrestler, that was better than most of his counterparts out there. That maybe he's not as good as a Amy Thatcher and Biff Busick, but I think he's kind of on that rung below where I think he's better than like an Anthony Henry, someone who I think is great and deserves a shot in a bigger promotion. So I absolutely feel that way about Avery Good slash Dasher Hatfield. And we got robbed of that. He got robbed of that. And it's hard... Not to feel, given the situations of all the talent hoarding and the rush on talent, even as of late, to kind of fill in those gaps that were happening with AEW and with ROH kind of in a weird spot, that if he had just had those years beforehand, maybe his story would be different. Maybe he would have gotten something else. Maybe Jigsaw would have been in a different situation. Ah, Probably not. Probably not. He had that ROH run and it didn't really do a whole lot. So, bad example, bad example. But, like, Eddie Kingston got to be the Chikara wrestler that wasn't a Chikara wrestler. The Chikara wrestler for everyone else that everyone could vibe with. And then you have Claudio, but that doesn't really count since he was everywhere else at that time. Not in the same way with Eddie, where... Yeah, he was in CZW, but even then, he was kind of a hit or miss, you know, as the years went on. So, it just it just feels off that that promotion got to take away the careers of folks. Yes, they also probably gave careers to wrestlers who wouldn't have had them otherwise and put them in positions where they wouldn't have been seen otherwise. 
and that's the Chikara Atomicos or Six Mans on your random indie shows that they had relationships with probably got some folks that wouldn't have gotten bookings bookings. But at the end of the day, it still feels weird. It still feels like there's an opportunity for certain of these folks to do much better than they ended up doing. That said, kind of <laughs> on the whole, the show was fun. I didn't watch the whole thing, but like the bits I was kind of, I went through the whole thing, uh, scattershot. It's like, okay, the vibes are there throughout. I think the cheeseburger world famous CB versus my young JLE match is a real fun opener that it's just kind of a nice crowd that's really into it. The setting works. It's in a brewery and everyone just looks like they're having a great time. And that's kind of what I miss about professional wrestling. Hey, folks are having a good time, but also it's fun. Wrestling is happening at the same time. It's not cornball shit. Um, yeah. And I think the five on five tag that happens later in the show, um, with Jakob, Frightmare, Murloc, um, Weber Hatfield, McCoy, like it's a fun match. Like, I don't think it's great, but, it felt like something that would have been on a B tier Chikara show in a not negative manner, something that has its place and doesn't feel like it has its place in wrestling, independent wrestling right now, because no promotion is really giving an atmosphere that feels family friendly fun. It's either drunk fun or serious wrestling. I have no problem with drunk fun. It just, it's a different vibe. It's a different vibe entirely. And I wish I thought the touchdown versus Avery good match was better than it was. I thought it was good, but it wasn't. It was a great moment, but it wasn't a great match. And that feels like a bummer to me to say because it's Avery good's last match. It's the last one it's going to have. But at the same time, like there's no. That rivalry was like an important part of that end stage. Chikara. Right and right before like the peak hit, like, it was an important part, like no doubt. And it was great to see Mr. Touchdown back because if you knew it was like, a friend coming back just to give his his pal one last go, that this will be their last hurrah. Now there'll be nothing left for either of them after that night. And it was fun. It was enjoyable. It was meaningful. And then when Avery Goods kit, when you see it on. Twitter, uh, Avery Good's kids come in after the match. Yeah, it's that's wrestling. Like you don't see careers end very often. You don't see someone that's that good hang them up because hey, th- the opportunities aren't coming in the way they should. I need to draw the line, and he did, and he got to do it with a good friend, with another good friend, Bryce Rensburg. In the ring with them. It, it was special. It was different. Um, and it kind of goes with some, what some of these Chikara folks, these ex-Chikara folks, say is like, hey, we were part of something special and it sucks that this terrible person had to not just be a part of it, but be so fundamental to it because it was meaningful to us and it was meaningful to people and Chikara had a community of folks around it. I think now seeing what the GCW community is, they weren't so horrendous. 
but maybe I've just set the bar so terribly low with the GCW scumbags out there that that's what I think. I don't know. It, I've got my, I can see my Takara DVDs right now hanging out on the shelf. And if I pop one in right now, I'm going to have a blast. And I wish, well, maybe I won't have a blast actually, because there'll probably be enough people there that make me go, ah, I hate myself. But neither here nor there, I guess. It's, it's, it's complicated. And I have weird feelings. And I just wish I could have all the good feels without the complications. Maybe one day. Maybe one day someone will figure it out. Indies are in a better spot than they were um, five years ago. Maybe there's an opportunity for someone to figure it out. I don't think it's going to be. Does anyone, are they going to say LVAC? I wasn't listening to commentary what they said. I'm calling it LVAC, which doesn't make sense because Lehigh Valley definitely should be together, but it's LVAC to me. Anyway, that's what I've been watching. This is the news. Moving on to news. Here we go. So first up, shit news. Just horrendous. Circle Six has booked Zach Wentz, a man who was recently accused of domestic abuse by his wife, Kimberly, and who then proceeded to post photos of him with a Hitler mustache on. It feels gross for this new promotion to instantly get into bed with this. And it, I guess it just sucks. I think Circle Six does, I'm done with them officially so quickly. Um, they haven't engendered any goodwill. So, other than say, hey, what the absolute fuck? That's all I'm going to say. Moving on. Willie Max is done with Impact Wrestling. And I only wanted to bring this up because it just feels like Willie Max's career is sort of a bummer. I've talked about Avery Good, and it felt like he lost his career or maybe just didn't put it together all in time. Who knows? But Willie Mack never was going to have the opportunities to be a big, big name star. I don't think he was ever. He had a great PWG run. Uh, he's worked his way up from being the kind of the local talent to being in sort of more main event sort of situations, but he wasn't ever the guy. And it's unfortunate because he's such a fun professional wrestler. And it's been so great that he's been able to find the home for in, in, impact wrestling. I don't think there's a spot for him anywhere else. I don't think he's going to find a spot in WWE or AEW. I don't. <laughs> Given his booking in PWG, I'm going to say he was not particularly close with the Young Bucks. So I don't think that's a spot for him, nor ROH. So all I'm putting this news down is say, hey, I, I, I wish Willie Mack had had a better run. I'd been put in more positions to succeed and was able to find a role as a kind of a role player. Ugh. I can't believe I just said that as a role player in one of these promotions. Um, but it is what it is at the end of the day. And I, I get that Impact Wrestling probably isn't going to be a well-paying gig. And that the X Division is maybe not the place for Willie Mack of all people. Maybe MLW will be a home for him. I could see that being a tremendous fit. 
Willie Mack versus Jacob Fatu or Hammerstone, that'd be a blast. Or just having fun scramble matches. I don't know. I'd be excited to find out, though. All right. We also have Stu Grayson. He's going to be done with the AEW. I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of these coming up. And that's that's sort of why I wanted to bring this up. Is that there's going to be more and more folks that have their contracts expiring. And Stu Grayson is going to be an interesting one. Because he was in a, I'm not going to say heavily pushed group. But he was in a group that is regularly featured in AEW. But, I mean, that's the thing. It was in a group that was featured. But he himself wasn't heavily featured. And I don't think there's going to be too many folks that, even if you're in a group, are going to be safe, um, especially from that first batch. I think, uh, if I'm being honest with you, looking at Alex, Alex Reynolds is probably going to be on the chopping block sooner or later. John Silver's found his spot, and I'm surprised they haven't jumped all over that. There's a CM Punk match in his future, though, so who knows? Maybe that changes in the, the near future. But... It's a, I'm a, it's a bummer. It's unfortunate. You don't want anyone to lose their jobs. Um, and Stu was always kind of a solid hand. I feel like a backhanded compliment to some extent. And I think AEW could always use kind of solid hands for Dark, Dark Elevation, Rampage, may not dynamite proper, but he's good enough to kind of fill those roles. And I just, he had a run. And that's going to be more than a lot of wrestlers are going to get. So I wish we could have gotten more out of the Super Smash Brothers in AEW. Because that feels like the, the the dream from that PWG run from years ago. That, ah, uh, get the Super Smash Brothers on national TV. And we got it. And it wasn't capitalized on. And I think AEW's tag team division probably could have could have used that little jolt. But it just it never panned out. And unfortunately, as that may be, I'm I'm glad we're in a situation where at least some of these wrestlers that will never experience that, that will just like, oh, yep, just missed them. We'll finally we'll we'll have that shot. We're not gonna see that with as many folks going forward, even if that's year, two years, what have you. We'll at least get that with them to see them on national TV and to see them kind of do that run, do that. Do that experience. Do that situation. But nonetheless, like, we're going to be seeing more of that. And that's, I was going to be weird because I I think the Indies are in a good spot right now. I think having an influx of talent isn't a bad thing. But it's it feels weird to be like, okay, they're out of a job. But now they get to wrestle uh, against some of my favorites. And they get to provide a jolt of attention to some of these promotions to some of these wrestlers out there yeah yeah i think it's a bummer situation but i'm I'm hopeful that's like the canadian scene can see a jolt from him doing some wrestling still there next up terminus i don't understand this promotion whatsoever um they just announced what i believe is a show called modern age grappling mag multiplayer action game but I don't get it. I don't understand it. Uh, it it's treated like a sub-brand for news bites and information that I'm gleaming. It's got, uh, what's it look like? 
has rounds. Six minute round, six rounds, five minutes apiece, 30 second breaks between. I just do not understand what Terminus is versus MAG. Are these different things? Are these the same thing? It's posted from the Terminus Twitter account. But there's no Terminus on the posters that I can see. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know what that's going to be. I'm interested because I love rounds, and I know the Terminus stuff had had that going before, but it's, I'm interested. That's all I'm going to say right now. I just want to call that out because of the absolute freaking confusion that Terminus is giving me right now. All right. Last bit of news. It's not really news. It's just because I want to talk about it, I guess. Malcolm Bivens, the formerly known as Malcolm Bivens, Stokely Hathaway, was at, I don't know, Stand Up Comedy Club? I mean, not Stand Up Comedy Club. Doing stand-up, I guess is what I say. And he gives the most utter roasting to a promotion that does not exist. Absolute evisceration. I love it. I think WWE letting Stokely go. They didn't really let him go, I guess. He does say he declined the offer, but them damaging that relationship to the point that he didn't want to be there is uh, fundamentally disgusting to me. It makes me feel icky on my insides. He's such a like elite character that like if you can't find a spot for him what the hell are you doing why are you even bothering he's an absolute slam dunk if AEW isn't just writing a blank check to the man well you can't do that I get it if they're not opening up their wallet to see if they can bring him in man, I don't know what we're doing here what's the point of professional wrestling if that man doesn't have a spot in a major promotion, isn't able to shine, isn't able to be himself in front of the largest audience possible. It doesn't make sense to me. But that's where we're at. And from the sounds of it, I don't know if the guy even likes wrestling anymore the way WWE treated him and did that. I hope, I hope he's back. And I hope... This isn't the last we've seen of him. If it is, I hope he has a tremendous career whatever he decides to put his efforts towards because I know he's going to be a success no matter what. But damn. It feels it feels rough that, we're, we, that the, the world of wrestling might lose. Big Stoke. Now wrestling, wrestling of the week. All right. The non-wrestling wrestling of the week, we're going to kind of give a highlight to uh, something wrestling related that I've been giving attention for the previous week. Doesn't need to be from that week. This one is, but it doesn't have to be. That's been of interest to me. And that is going to be 2002, a year in list from the YouTuber Nova. Now, I will say up front. That this is feels very influenced by Joseph Monticilio, good friend of the network. It was an episode of Dazzle Island Comps. Go listen to it. Uh, incredible YouTube wrestling video essayists. And Nova kind of 
Cripples a lot of that form, but with his own insights, his own tech, his own editing techniques and whatnot, and he brings a lot to the table as far as just having interesting opinions, which is something I value, even if I don't agree with them across the board. Very few of them, if I'm being honest. I appreciate someone putting themselves out there in such a way and doing it in such a way that is exciting. I, I love the video, good video about saying, I love Joseph, but give me more. Feed me more. Uh, and obviously, he also pretty much takes the title. I know that Simon from Handwork isn't the first person to say, a year list. But, like... I think that's an obvious influence as far as, like, the mentality going into these things. So between the two of them, between the Slack, the secret Slack, I don't know what you want to call it, the Slack group, um, the the shadows, um, there's obvious influence there. And obviously, I think you should give that a watch. Uh, 2002 is a really interesting year in pro wrestling. I think everything, all, all those kind of <laughs> aughts are... Would be a fun watch. Uh, he's also done 2017, which is another kind of interesting one because obviously it's in that gap between, okay, it's not COVID, great, but also it's a dearth of some of the indie scene and whatnot, but there's other good stuff going on more of a, a higher level. So definitely give that a watch as well. But yeah, I think it's really good, good viewing. It's 49 minutes, so it's a, it's a, it's a chunkster, but you know, I'm a chunkster too, so go for it. I also wanted to give a call out to Quentin and Tim R with Dave Musgrave. Um, they have a great episode. It's one of the more evergreen episodes. So if you listen to this this week, you're you're not behind. It is a great episode. Dave Musgrave, the man, the myth, the legend from wrestling culture, he influenced to a lot of us. Mm, I don't know mentally unwell wrestling fans now uh, who have the brain disease for looking at wrestling critically. Uh, him and Dylan doing wrestling culture, a kind of a fundamental understanding of, hey, how do we look at wrestling differently? Obviously, the message boards were a huge, huge, huge part of that before them. Uh, they got there, but for us youngins, like where audio is easily digestible and things like that. This was kind of a gateway into a lot of them. So definitely watch that. They talk about the things that they like about 2022 wrestling. And it's really great. Uh, Tim definitely keeps things in check, which I appreciate. Keep it level. Keep it interesting. Don't let keep people get too comfortable. Don't let po- positive to- toxic positivity ruin our lives and make sure not that doesn't happen so definitely give it a listen it's great i loved it i was grinning from ear to ear for the vast majority of the runtime so go give it a listen all right we're gonna try this is the thing that i don't know if it's going to translate to the audio medium it is tweet of the week we had some some wild ones this week and up until the last second, I had, a, I had a clear winner from at not not Dr. Death, um, Steve. And, uh, you know, we were so close. But we had a really last minute 
placement from our friends at Fightful, where they tweeted on May 8th at 9.14 p.m. Eastern during WWE's WrestleMania Backlash at Fightful. I start rubbing your inner thigh as you do, moving closer to your panties. I wish we could have gotten more context. I wish we knew who this was supposed to be towards because I know the the way I look at it, the way I read it, I start rubbing your thigh, start rubbing your inner thigh as you do. Not, that's not how you're supposed to read it. I start rubbing your inner thigh as you do. I want to know what are they doing? Are they blowing balloons? What do we got? What do we got going on here? And you don't really get so many of these wrestling accounts really fucking up their. They're not burners. This might just be from his personal account. Just to be clear, I don't even think this was the wrong the case of. Hey, you should use your burner. No, this is just a a, a guy who was. Meant to log into his personal account so he could just show someone that he probably doesn't love how much he just wants to have relations with them. Don't get that a lot these days, so I'm glad we could see that on Twitter.com. And thank you for at Zach Rules. Okay, mm, he has the avatar that does make me question his goodness. Someone that I want to think feels problematic, but we're going to roll with it anyway for copy and pasting and screenshotting that tweet. So we did not lose it to the nether. Thank you for your service. All right. And with this, going to be wrapping up these We Don't Know Wrestling episodes with a topic. And this week's topic is kind of brought on by the news that Freddie Prince Jr. is thinking about starting a wrestling promotion. I'm going to read the tweet from Wrestling Purist where it kind of breaks down an interview he did on a podcast, Freddie Prince Jr., not Wrestling Purist, about what's in his head. So first up, bullet number one, plans to start in 18 months. Then he wants a two-hour TV show. Then has the money for a three-year plan. Next up, storylines based in reality. Men and women given equal time. Wants to own the space it's filmed in. Wants to be a SAG show. No TV contract yet. And at the end of the day, that's kind of, that last bullet is the one that really matters. There is no TV contract yet. Freddie Prince Jr., one of our prized American actors from the late 90s, early 2000s. And because of this episode coming up, I actually watched the original 2002 Gooby-Doo live-action movie. It's it's good. It's a good flick. He's the fourth best Mystery Inc. member in it, so that's unfortunate for him, but also it's all bangers all around in that cast, so honestly, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? But as I read this, I was just thinking about what, what a third major promotion would have to look like, and Freddie Prince feels like the kind of prototypical owner that you would envision for this, but not like the, the sole owner, a co-owner. Freddie has money. He is a longtime actor. He still has outlets that he is kind of 
creatively contributing to, but he does not have Tony Khan money who could open up his checkbook and do a lot of, a lot for himself really quick. And I don't think Freddie is that as of that wealth. Unfortunately for him, I think planning to start in 18 months. That's a year and a half away. That's so we're looking at not 2023, but 2024, probably at that point. Um, a lot's going to change. That's the thing. Like, Whatever we think makes sense right now is not going to make sense in a year and a half. So it feels like a lot of this you'd have to relook re- at. His money for a three-year plan. What does a three-year plan look like? Like, what do you even have as a war chest to get? Oh yeah, this will do. This will. What does that? What does that mean? When you see kind of how AEW came into the scene we've now have seen a major promotion enter the professional wrestling landscape and what kind of budget that implies what does he have what is what does three years look like for him now i i am liking what uh wow is doing now that they fired tested blanchard i think that's what happened i'm not entirely sure i i think that's what i read um now i'm hearing they have good attendance for their their recent tapings and that could be a fun show with um Lakers owner daughter Busey Bussy Bussy um coming in and being kind of the the money behind that now that's money that's real money that ain't Freddie Prince Jr. money um wants two hour show yeah whatever storyline is based in reality I think the guys probably got a bad wrestling brain all in all like I know we make fun of Tony Khan but He's a Death Valley driver head at the end of the day. So, like, his brain's warped in, in, in the ways that at least you would want them to be warped. In the, in the direction you want it warped. Maybe not in all the right places, but closer than most. Men and women given equal time. I I, I don't even know what he means. I know what he means by that, but, like, seems kind of a, a thing to say. Honest to God. Uh, wants to own a space makes sense. Sag, that's the big one. If he can pull that off, that changes so much so quickly. If he can figure this out, I think there's something here. And honestly, like that's the part that you take from this. Like, hey, if Freddie can figure out that nugget, and someone with real money actually helps him out here, this is meaningful. This is something that you can go with. And that's what a third major person, I think, needs. Something like that. I don't think there's probably, admittedly, TV time out there or an audience big enough to sustain a major third promotion. GCW is probably as big as a third promotion gets. I don't know what our OH is going to be. I don't think it can be a third major promotion. But GCW, with the schedule they run, they run, if not every week, every other week at this point, Multiple shows a weekend running in front of hundreds of fans, sometimes thousand plus. Like the audience is there. Like it feels like it it would feel weird not say, hey, it's a big time wrestling promotion. I I know we they deserve to be mocked, frankly. Brett Lardell tweeting out, what should we do for the Settlement series? Deserves to be mocked. Deserves to be made fun of. Made feel like a fucking idiot. Call him names. He deserves it. He's earned it. 
by the size that promotion is, it's it's the third biggest promotion in the United States, and like New Japan's struggling to draw two thousand people, and I'm not saying GCW can easily draw two thousand people; they can't, but they can draw hundreds of people every single weekend in different markets. So that's something. I think they've got something going here. That's I don't know. They take that spot. But if Freddie and someone with money can come in, figure out a plan, something smaller like a Lucha Underground, maybe not, not a Lucha Underground because that promotion was flawed as well, but if they can figure something out like a Lucha Underground of that scale with that with maybe a station that has a little bit more of a reach, maybe there's something there. Maybe there's something that can be worked out that can fit this landscape because it doesn't need to be huge. It doesn't need to have a large overhead and there's talent out there that's not, I, there are people are going to release all the time, I guess. And like John Morrison is a weird example because I don't know. I don't love the guy, but that level of star is just going to be out there for the foreseeable future. Not him specifically, but that level of wrestler of that name value probably just going to operate in that zone that maybe a TNA would have picked up in the past where they just maybe they do have the ability to bring them in but they don't have the money to sign that person to an exclusive contract maybe that's kind of what we're looking at here where like that level star can can be good a WSX rumble type names um, where New Jack maybe works past that first episode R.I.P. I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. I, I think most of this would be bad because I think Freddy has a bad brain. But I think there's nuggets here. Owning the space speaks to the scale. SAG, I think, speaks to a core idea around contracting and the employment that could change so many things for so many people. So, yeah, I think... I, I guess I'm getting to phrase specifically, and I want to talk a little bit more broadly about having a third major promotion, but I think there's going to be that thing where you just have to find the nuggets that make sense and a scale that makes sense because seeing the success of AEW, someone's going to, someone's eventually going to think, hey, there's money to be made in professional wrestling. We can do this. We can make it work. And maybe it's, I know Jeff Jarrett's just looming out there, just waiting to get in there and make a play. And maybe, but he can't team up with Freddie without the money guy or the money woman or the money person, I guess. Um, yeah, they need a money person to make that work. So that's all I've got. Hopefully we see a, a third promotion beyond GCW because I think that promotion sucks ass and deserves to rot in hell. So, yeah, this has been the first new episode of We Don't Know Wrestling. I hope you enjoyed it. Go follow us at WDKWPN on Twitter. And leave a like, review, subscribe on iTunes. Your at podcast app of choice. I just made a link tree for our Twitter. So go find where you want to listen to the show listen to it, leave a review, tell your friends about it, about the network. we got some good stuff coming up. I'm excited for it. So once again, 
Thanks for listening.